Uh, greetings and salutations, and welcome to Tom Talks. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Heath Parker, and I'm joined by my lovely assistant, my much nerdier Vanna White, if you will, Adam Kelly. How the heck are you, my good buddy and unrivaled GM? I am doing pretty good, Heath. Thanks for asking. Yeah, man. Well, it's just the <laughs> two of us this time, you know? Yeah. I got well, to talk Friday. to somebody. It's Friday, so I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. Work week's done. Don't have a lot going on this weekend, so get yeah. to kind of relax, get caught up on some editing, but I'm glad to be sitting here with you, good buddy. Yeah, man. For the longest time, the like Friday end of the work week thing was something like I would honestly get irritated about when people said, because it's not something I could experience because I worked like restaurants on the weekends and stuff. Weekends were like obligatory, you know? Right. Well, I've been in food service my whole career, and this is the first food service job that I have that's basically banker's hours. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, and I'm, you know, in education now as my primary gig. And uh, the last like month or so, I just, they haven't been making me work weekends that much. So I've really been enjoying it. It's awesome. Yeah. That's I can awesome. do stuff like this on a Friday night, you know? Heck yeah. Um, so look, I just want to tell you, buddy, I mean, you know, and I know about you, we love sci-fi, we love space, we love all that stuff, but I am particularly today stoked about space, starships, celestial bodies, and most importantly, Starfinder. We've had a good stretch of episodes of uh, Against the Aeon Throne lately, I think you could, you'd probably agree with that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Granted, some of that good stretches as yet unreleased, but they'll, they'll learn. You know, they're going to learn. But uh, I've also been improving my workstation. I showed you I've got like a new dice tower, a new dice tray. You saw when you're down here, my new my rig is set up in a U around me. It feels like a battle station, as Zach likes to call it. Indeed. Uh, I've also been reading, albeit quite slowly, through the Dawn of Flame adventure path. So I'm excited. I got to read a little bit of that today and and. Uh, the last little bit I read got me really excited for some some stuff that we haven't really gotten to do yet. Um, I'm not going to say what, but it's cool. Um, what book are you on? Uh, th- I'm halfway through three. Okay. Book three, yeah. I, uh, I should have made more progress by now, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but even when I'm at work, uh, I've got the space and science fiction vibes flowing around me because my classroom... For my tutoring students is decorated with rocket ships and aliens and planets on my boards around the room encouraging my students to get excited about reading with such uh catchphrases as reading helps you see the universe <laughs> uh shoot for the stars you know uh, stuff like that yeah and then yeah. i've got like sight words on uh, like 24 different ro- rocket ships that I had to like cut out and, and glue on the boards and stuff. But I was like, if I get to choose how I'm going to decorate my classroom, I don't care that this is reading and not science. I'm going for a sci-fi theme. You know? <laughs> uh, but also, I have mentioned before, I think in one of the intros, I signed all my students up for a NASA program that will result in our names, including mine, <laughs> being etched onto a disc on the Mars rover that uh, a, a new Mars rover mission launches later this year. So yeah. my names and the names of all 13 of my uh, tutoring students will be on Mars uh, sometime, I think, next year for as long as the rover's there, maybe forever. 
Uh, if I guess the mission goes poorly, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> or maybe they plan on it to be there forever. Maybe it wouldn't go poorly. But I've even got outer space boxer briefs on right now, dude. I am in the zone. Man, you're going all in. Yeah. And, dude, I took a shower, you know, after work uh, to get ready for this. And I, I put on some Umphreys McGee. I hadn't been listening to Umphreys. That was my jam in my early 20s. I, I've been to more of their concerts than any other band. And when I stepped out of the shower, the song that was on was them covering Space Oddity by David Bowie. But it was apparently at a Christmas Eve show, and they had changed it to Santa Oddity. So all wow. the major Tom was Santa Claus. <laughs> Ground so like, control to Santa Claus. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, it's um, been a space kind of day then. Yeah, well, so I, you know, I wanted to translate that into, I always try to make some kind of thematic resonance throughout Tom Talks. Um, so before we jump into some Starfinder stuff, uh, I, was, I just happened to come across a couple of space travel related news stories today um, that I wanted to share with you. Okay. Okay. So first, one of our intrepid American astronauts, Christina Koch, returned yesterday for us, but February 6th for the general population, from a mission aboard the International Space Station. She was up there for 328 days. Whoa. That's a long time off of your home planet. (laughs) Yeah, Um, my goodness. But what's cool about that, it makes her the new record holder for the longest single space flight by any woman in history. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations, Christina. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, she what, did you know she listens to our podcast? Oh, does she? That's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's what she was listening to for those. I wish she'd give us a shout days. out, you know, boost that signal to the cosmos. Yeah. Um, what's even more wild about that though is that in her time up there, she completed five thousand two hundred and forty eight orbits of the Earth. Whoa. Yeah, which comes out to a distance of right about 139 million miles, which I was informed by the NASA email I got today is roughly 291 trips to the moon and back. Wow, that's a lot of ground to cover in less than a year. Less than, yeah, less than a year. That's how fast the ISS is going. That's like, crazy. We don't think about that. It's going so fast in a year, it goes five and a half thousand or five and a quarter, I guess thousand times around the earth that's insane. it's wild dude even even if we're not talking about you know the grandiose level of starfinder just space travel in general nearest earth is fucking wild yeah that blows my mind um so this was a big deal not only because it was historic but also because it has like preparatory implications for a couple of things um first the you know potential exploration of mars is is something that you know it's the new fashionable thing the thing we're trying yeah. to achieve but it's also totally hot right now it's, it's totally it's, hot it's right so now it's so hot right so now so hot right now uh, but it's also part of the Art- artemis program which is, the intent of the artemis program is to send people back to the moon because it's been so long since we actually set foot on the moon yeah yeah um but this mission for Christina Koch Uh, was not the first time that she had made history. Uh, No, no. She had already been part of the first ever all-woman spacewalk alongside Jessica Meir. 
So, again, congratulations to this astounding woman and astronaut on her accomplishments. Like, we lowly serfs who will only ever experience space travel in the fantasy worlds of the imagination can't help but admire and salute that. Indeed. A salute to you. That's awesome. Good good story. Yeah, to Christina Koch, you know? To Christina Koch. Speaking of which, what you drinking, buddy? Uh, So I'm working on this beer from Zoni Mash, which is local here in New Orleans. Um, It's a beer called Tiny Bubbles Sparkling Ale. Okay. Now, when I got this, I I really thought that, I don't know. I, I thought it would be kind of like a spritzer type deal, but it's really just a glorified lager. But it's pretty good. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. I just think it's named weird. Yeah, you it know? seems like a bit of a misnomer. Yeah. But I, I've drank all six of them, or I'm on my sixth, not sixth one today, but um, <laughs> I got through I got through all of them. Um, misnomer or no. Yeah, right, right. Well, I am drinking something from your neck of the woods. Uh, I'm drinking an Abita Andy Gator. Uh, okay, all right. I used to like that beer, and then I went to, like, hating it. And now it's I'm a, it's okay. I'm a it's my, a little hoppy, my, you know. Yeah, um, like in a weird way though, not in the best way. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what you're saying. It's pretty good. <laughs> all right. Well, to each their own. Yeah. We have we have all of space to talk about. Yeah. Well, all I do have. <laughs> I'm going to try to be quick about this. I've got one more story for you, and I think Fell and Zeno, or rather their respective players. Uh, no, we don't care about the players. Let's we don't. Talk about we don't speak their names. Um, <laughs> no. But I think they would particularly like this one. Uh, in an absurdly impressive feat uh, of remote engineering, the Voyager Two. Are you familiar with the Voyager program? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Voyager Two was brought back online today after some kind of glitch or security measure caused it to go dark. So, okay. what's so impressive about that? is that the Voyager 2 is somewhere in the ballpark of 11.5 billion miles away yeah, from the it, Earth. Yeah, it passed like um, It's Jupiter, not in the solar what, like system. A couple, yeah, it passed Jupiter like five years ago or some shit like that. It's, like, yeah, it's it is no longer it, It's no longer in the solar system. It's wild. <laughs> it's, that's crazy. So it it's, is, it's actually gone to a different... I guess it's still the same galaxy. I yes. guess some of those... Yeah, so same galaxy. Still in the Milky Way, but... It's just, it's outside of our solar neighborhood. So it's gone into other stars. Space. It's, it's gone into truly the unknown. You know, like it, it we're, wow. this is such an important mission. We're learning so much about, you know, what is out there beyond what we, you know, with our high powered telescopes can really tell based on the light provided from the sun. You know? That's insane. Um, I mean, it's huge. Uh, but, I mean, this mission is, supposed to go for another five years so it glitches and goes dark and it's like oh what is going on and apparently there was some kind of um, security measure that like two of its like functions were operating at the same time and draining too much of its power so it like had like an automatic like shutdown or something and to the like thing, recharge or something uh, so I don't, I'm not smart enough to know <laughs> what? Or, Come or on, you don't have the full full well, no, details no. of this NASA mission. No, what's what's <laughs> interesting is they don't have the full details yet because of the fact that because it's so far away, it takes um, 
for a single information relay, a single tiny conversation, if you will, between NASA and the Voyager takes a full 34 hours. Good Lord. Like, just that, but that's even that's impressive to me. Yeah. It's outside of our it's outside of our solar system. It's either and outside or like right at the edge of it. Look, I can't get customer service from Cox Communication in 34 <laughs> freaking hours, you well, know? We just <laughs> lost that sponsorship. Thanks. Adam. Oh, that, I don't want that one. They can have, they can keep it. Uh, yeah. but you know, that's that's incredible. That is really really incredible. Yeah. Wow. Well, and fortunately somehow uh, whatever NASA engineers were involved with, it rolled high on their remote engineering checks and brought this ba- bad boy back hey, online. Uh, so not 20, can, yeah. Right. Uh, well, maybe not, but at least like, you know, 18, 19, something like that uh, yeah. on the die, you know? Right, right. It got that <laughs> I'd imagine they've got a good yeah. bonus, you know? <laughs> if it's 11.5 billion miles away. But they still can't open a door in a high-level dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're, you're confusing that for somebody else. Oh, okay. Um, but it is intended for five more years of travel as far away from Earth and our solar system as possible to send us data about what's out there. Um, my hope is that it just doesn't run into any Aslanti, you know? Yeah, that would, that would be bad. Yeah. I mean, there's one thing that our world doesn't need is space Nazis. <laughs> you know, like right, yeah. That, that's Look, a, that's we're dealing with real that, Nazis again. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. We don't, we don't need to add that fuel to the fire. That's for sure. Right. So anyway, I just wanted to share those little updates with you. Get us in the right brain space. I've been thinking about space stuff all day. Sure. Um, and I wanted to to use that fuel to amp us up for some Starfinder. How's that suit you? Man, you know I love me some Starfinder. Oh yeah. So we already talked about the character operations manual in our last Tom Talks, which again is a fantastic resource for Starfinder. And to me, and I think you agree with me, it feels like it really completes the game more than adds on to it by adding new classes, new features, new weapons, new spells, etc. In short, it's fucking dope. And I think everybody at STF agrees um, in that regard. But there's a new resource book coming out next month in March of 2020. On my birthday. On your birthday? It comes oh, out on my fun. birthday. Yeah. Well, well, then why don't you tell me about this book called Near Space? Okay, so Near Space is a follow-up to the Pact Worlds book, right? So the which, Pact which, Worlds book came other out. Other than the Calm is my favorite book. Yeah, it's really good. It really expands on the, the planets of the Pact World and everything. So if you haven't checked out that, I really do. It's, it gives you a lot of lore that I think can be helpful in any campaign that you're running. Um, but near space is kind of going to the next stage. So right beyond the packed worlds into the Vescarium. So we are going to get information on the nine planets of the Vescarium empire or whatever it's called. Right, right. And, um, there's going to be new, I think player options specific to those planets. Uh, There's going to be new stuff. Yeah, there's going to be new spells. There's going to be new racial options. There's go- we're going to find out what goes down on Skitterman or Planet. Like I can't well, I wait to know read the chapter. Bit, you know? Yeah, like I can't wait to read the chapter on Skitterman so, or Planet. You know? So I'm a little torn about stuff like this because the thing is, we we got into you know the Starfinder podcasting game. I think relatively early in its life. You know? Yeah, pretty early. Pretty so early. the problem that I have is all these new good resources keep coming out, but I'm I'm already what I am. I'm already playing Titanium Mike. You know what I'm saying? Right. Sure. Like uh, the <clears throat> since 
uh, I've played Titanium Mike. The com came out, which added the athlete background, right? Which I didn't Vanguard. start with. Uh, <laughs> Vanguard came out, which is basically the play style of Soldier that I'm kind of gearing towards. Right. And right. now there's going to be all these new Vesk features that you know maybe maybe there will be some high, higher level or mid level stuff that I can I can uh, capitalize on. Yeah, I mean. I, I hope so. I think that they certainly have to be aware of the timeline that they're releasing this stuff. And so I, I do hope that there's like an archetype that comes out that you can take later that starts maybe at like 6th or 7th or 8th yeah. level or something yeah, like that. But it, if not, I mean, we're it's, it's plenty of resources for, to play Starfinder in, in new games going forward. Um, for sure. But yeah, it looks to be like a really, really fun book. There's a lot coming out with it, and, and you know, it's it's a whole another whole other nine planets or so, plus some. I think it's not just the Viscarium. I think there's some other stuff too. Some of the other stuff in those outer skirts. Yeah, of- just whatever. Like kind of, if you think of the Pact Worlds as its solar system, like it's not just the Viscarium that it kind of uh, you know rubs shoulders with. Like there's kind of. Mm-hmm three or four other sides that stuff butts up against to some degree. Right. Right. In, in a very new, loose cosmic sense, you know, they're, they're going to present you Vesk starships, which I just can't wait to see what, well, I will be trading about. in the Epic tracer. I Vesk don't think starship, so. <laughs> Maybe you could get like a little Vesk. I'm, like, I'm just going to quit the crew either. and go join up with some Vesk and become a captain. <laughs> That's what Mike's always wanted. I'm done with this. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I'm glad that they're continuing to develop the lore in the world of Starfinder. I mean, Calm was great for the mechanics of it. And certainly there's like a little bit of lore there, but yeah, it but really it's primarily fleshing yeah. out mechanics that were much needed, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so it's good to get a little bit more information about the world that these characters are living in and, and the, you know, potential story ideas of, of where we can go and things we can do. Yeah. I mean, I just, I love I just, any, any bonus lore, like I'm here right. for it. Like, and, and this is so soon, like this is a month and change away. I've already, I already, you know, we talked about this not long ago and I was like, I will be getting that book. I will right. have that book. I don't care. For sure. For um, sure. I mean, I'm a fucking Vesk, you know? <laughs> like, right, I gotta right. get that book. What's um, interesting, though, about Mike, though, is that he's a Vesk that's not from the Veskarian. You know, I mean, yeah. he, I guess there was, like, a few years that he lived there, but most he, of his he life... He doesn't identify with the Veskarian, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he was raised by mercenaries, you know? Yeah, mostly. Well, and even Najin Karasayas, like, I mean, that's in Atlantis star space. Mm-hmm. Well, it's now just, <laughs> it wasn't well, not, at first, but they, oh, well, they, they came yeah, in. They, yeah. they expanded a little bit. Yeah, the, the, the problem is it was built way too close to the Aslanti star space. And yeah, so Aslanti I mean, but like, that's oh, the, this is mine now. <laughs> so, will this book involve Aslanti? I mean, like, if the Aslanti. I don't think so. Well, so, I mean, I ask because if the Aslanti kind of star space is close enough to the Vescarium to expand into Vescarium planets or not Vescarium planets, but at least Vesk settled planets. It it, it would imply to me that it's close, relatively close to the pack. Yeah, but I think that's like the next tier, right? So I bet you the next book would be far space or something like that. That's kind of going into that stuff. That's, that's beyond what's known kind of in, in, into 
the vast. I bet you that's what it's going to be, the vast. Well, I also, you know, the other side of kind of my meta thinking on that is like, they, they may not even end up doing like a full lore bump for Ves- for uh, for the Aslanti because like it's probably not in their best interest to encourage people to play Space Nazis you know yeah well and there's a lot there's a lot and I haven't been able to show y'all yet because we're not finished with the AP but there is a lot of lore on these there's like a whole write up in the back of the second book of Against the Aeon Throne about their culture about the different planets that they I mean basically they've already written up the Aslanti in in the Aeon Throne adventure path. Um, there's a whole gazetteer on them. So yeah, well, and I'm I'm not trying to imply that like there's not lore for it. You know? No, no, I'm just like what I'm saying is that I don't see that making it into this book just because it's kind of already been published a little bit. Okay, I got you. So yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm excited for it. Though. So <clears throat> I mean, you know, if if we the thing about a new book. That isn't out yet, you know. Uh, if, if it was out, we we could do a whole episode on it. But there's only so might. much that we know and can speculate on it. Yeah, we and probably I, will do it. We probably will. I almost guarantee you that uh, maybe not next month, but the month after that. Yeah, once we have time to digest it a little yeah, bit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, last month the sixth book, the last book of Attack of the Swarm, released. Uh, I know a lot of people are really excited for this kind of uh, Starship Troopers style adventure path if they're not playing it already. Um, Adam and I have actually gotten to play a little bit of Attack of the Swarm recently, and we're not going to spoil anything, but it does seem really cool so far. So, you know, I just thought we could briefly talk about that. I know it's it's already released, so it's not upcoming. Um, right. But before we get on to kind of the, the main event of this Tom Talks, like, you know, we can dive into a little bit about the Attack of the Swarm. Yeah, okay. Well, so I'm running two different games of Attack of the Swarm. That's how much I love this AP. <laughs> like, nice. I, I, it's, it's, really, it's a really, really fun AP in the sense that, like, it's action-packed, it's cinematic. As you said, it has that Starship Troopers vibe to it i was a big fan of starcraft i played the original starcraft and starcraft 2 and so like i mean it's basically terrans versus the zerg and i just i really like the aesthetic of it and it puts you in these interesting situations where you know it's it's very close to survival horror type deal while still being like action packed and you can kind of get pulpy with it you know like it's so much fun to be like oh and you you blow this this bug's head off and purple goo comes flying out of it and like it's just you know it's yeah. it's it's campy in the best possible way yeah you know? well and and that's something i think Starfinder really does well is it it leans into kind of the zaniness of what mm. science fantasy would be um, in general, and, and that's that's one vibe I've noticed a lot of people really like about it, but also it's really cool that like AP to AP lends itself to different like personalities of character creation and stuff like that. Sure. You know, yeah, like you wouldn't definitely. create the same kind of character for Attack of the Swarm that you necessarily would for, say, a Signal of Screams, you know? Right. 
Right. Um, yeah, I don't want to get too much into the details of it because maybe no, no, that's, the, that's, the maybe there might be a release of this. I don't uh-huh. know how much I'm allowed to talk about that, but you're not um, allowed. Chill out. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm zipping it up, but uh, there might be a way to you can hear may, this. Maybe. Um, maybe. Maybe. Um, in any case, it's a super fun book, and I do want to give a shout out to Patrick over at Cosmic Crit. He wrote the first book. Yeah, he wrote book. the first book, yeah. And, and that first book is such a good hook. Like, the whole AP is good. I'm, I'm kind of, yeah. I myself am slowly reading through it. I'm, I'm in book four now. Yeah, um, well, and as, a, as, a, as a player, I'm, I'm still in book one, right? We're right, still, right. Cor- we're very correct. much still in book one, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I've got to say, so far, it has been really cool. Uh, it's, it's been really enjoyable. And, and especially, you know, uh, getting to play with, um, kind of a, a, a mixed bag of, of people we don't normally play with and stuff like that mm-hmm. in such a pulpy, interesting, campy, but also very like war and combat based AP thus far is is really in- interesting and different from any of the other APs so far. Right, right. It really does stand out on its own with with that identity. So I, I you know, get in a, in a Attack of the Swarm game if you can because it's a, it's a fun one yeah. for sure. Kill some bugs, man. Kill some bugs. Do I mean, your part. but but not shearing. You know, like I mean, unless <laughs> no, the shearing shearing. attacks you. And that's, and that's another thing I will say about it is that it really, it really does highlight the shearing as a race. And like, if you know, if you're interested in that, or maybe even if you aren't, this could help you kind of identify with the shearing because it really digs into their lore. You know, more so than any AP. This is this is definitely a shearing focused. AP, you know. See, I'm so early in, like I don't, <clears throat> I'm not aware of that, you know. But like, well, the Sheeran are are they broke are, off they from bro- the swarm, lore wise. Right, right. Yeah. Correct, correct. So you well, can imagine that there's well, going to yeah, be some I mean, tie into that's that. cool because it like lends itself to, <clears throat> you know, uh, we've said that it feels like it can be very campy, you know, very Starship Troopers, very combat war kind of stuff or whatever but also if you were interested in playing a character who had you know a deep interesting per- perhaps tragic or misunderstood backstory uh, you could play a Sheeran who in the course of this war he's on the side opposing the swarm but get, you know there's a lot of prejudice against him or, or her you know yeah yeah I think there's plenty of room to have deep characterization in this AP I mean when I say campy, I don't mean shallow. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, there, there is definitely some weight to this campaign. I mean, hell, there's been a couple times early on in book one where uh, you guys all, are we've like already feeling struggled it, a know? little bit. Yeah. 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 Feeling it. So. Well, and and I mean, I don't I don't mind spoiling this a little bit if this ever gets released, which again is a maybe. That's all I'm ever <laughs> saying is it's a maybe. But I'm getting to play a witch warper, which is a whole lot of fun. In you know, and and it's not what you would traditionally think of when you first think of like, you know, you think I I can't help but think you think of soldiers, you know, yeah. When you think starship troopers and stuff like that, you think soldiers, vanguards, martial classes, you know. Yeah, and maybe like a Neil Patrick Harris technomancer, you know what I mean? Yeah, tech stuff like that. But like your yeah. casters, I feel like, um, not not that it doesn't provide any space for them. It certainly does. Anybody can play anything. But it's just not your first thought. And I was like, I want to play maybe not something that's going to be the most optimized for the AP <laughs> itself, but is an opportunity for me to yeah. play a really interesting and a really fun yeah. and silly character. 
I wish we could talk more about your character, but again, I want to save yeah. it just so I'm just saying chance. I'm playing a witch warper and I'm excited yeah. for it. You know? Yeah. It's a it's a very interesting witch warper and it's pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, Attack the Swarm, I love it. It's a great AP and I'm and it, it did wrap up last month to uh, I think I think it's really all the books are getting pretty good reviews. Uh, and what I've read so far, I'm excited to play all of it. So Nice. Well, uh, considering that it... Uh, we're going to yep. edit that out. <laughs> uh, taking into consideration that Attack of the Swarm published its last book, its sixth book of the... Uh, you know, which is a six-book AP. It's a long AP. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Last month... That paved the way for a new adventure path that is going to take up the bulk of this year and mm-hmm. its releases as far as APs are concerned. Um, so there's a brand new, uh, again, six-book adventure path starting up um, when book one of the Threefold Conspiracy comes out titled The Chimera Mystery with subsequent books releasing in March, April, and May. I assume... The rest of the books will release on that same schedule, but uh, Paizo only has their release schedule on their website up to May. Yeah. Um, but I know Zach is really excited about this one, uh, and with good reason. It seems like it's going to be very much like an intrigue and mystery kind of adventure with, as the title suggests, like conspiracies within conspiracies. Yeah. Um, it, it really, it really does look like a super fun adventure. I, I've purposely stayed away from looking into this one too much because because you'd like I know to play that, it. Uh, well, yeah, of course, I'd like to play any any of it. But Zach specifically has mentioned some interest in GMing it, and so okay. I'm kind of I'm kind of keeping hands off on it because because it's a mystery. I think the less I know, the better it will be going into it. But the general concept is that you're on this, it opens being on a ship, and this person gets murdered, and you have to figure out what happened while you're on the ship yeah. with the murderer, and so- that uh, that unveils this whole, like, cosmic conspiracy that involves fucking greys man like greys like the classic alien so you read into it a little bit at least i read the back cover of the first book you know what i mean like so i you know periodically every every month or so i'll go and like kick it with zach on a weekend because i mean we've been friends for 15 16 years now and um he was talking about his interest in running that campaign, and I was like, okay, well, and I had the same sentiment that you did. I was like, okay, well, I don't want to read too much into it if you want to run it, because I know I'll, if you're going to run it, I'm going to play it, right? Right. And right. he was like, no, dude, like, read read the blurbs at least, you know? Yeah. And the first impression I got from reading book one is uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, I think that's, that's the good comparison to, like, what the theme of a book one is going to be because it's, I believe it's like a really like lush cruise ship that you're on. Yeah. It's maybe even like a, is it a ship? Is it actually a ship? I I thought it might be like a, a a spa or something like a giant, like a resort. Oh, I know that it's, it's something that floats in space. I think it's a giant starship. Well, I I was thinking, and, and we'll, we'll get blasted on this for sure. I thought it was like an asteroid. But maybe I'm mixing up something else. Yeah, I think it might. Okay. <laughs> um, but it is it is very interesting. I mean, like, the really leaning into the notion of, of not just mystery, but, like, 
specifically conspiracies. Conspiracy is in the title and the implication. I mean, it's called the threefold conspiracy. I mean, it's right. a conspiracy in a conspiracy wrapped in a conspiracy, you know? Yeah, I mean, so what what I what I will say about it is, you know, and and not to just like you know, be too like groveling at Paizo's feet or whatever, but what they've done with Starfinder and their release schedule and, and what they've got on the horizons for Starfinder is so good. You know, like this is a totally new kind of adventure. This is your X-Files adventure and they haven't made that yet. Like that's not been made yet they're not retreading ground see, and, and this and feels X-Files so fresh adventure. see that's I, again i haven't dug into it much I, all i have really to go on is that i know it starts and kind of and, and i hate to like make these correlations seem too like ham-fisted like they're not it's not a one-to-one correlation but the vibe i got from book one like i said was murder on the orient express so for that to turn into kind of an x-files type thing is yeah, is I, I didn't know necessarily that was a vibe that was going to be. A well, I'm making I'm making some assumptions, you know, just kind of based on the aesthetic of what I've seen. Yeah, you know, in the promotional material for it. But uh, the point I'm making is that they are continuing to come out with interesting and unique adventures for Starfinder, and I just it it makes me feel so good that we got into the system when we did because we have all this great content coming out for us to just oh i I agree well and you know it's a really interesting time um i'm gonna go ahead and say our initial idea for this tom talks was we we didn't do one in january and for that i'm sorry but we've been really busy but we did a live stream yeah we did we did the live stream thing but we we've all had a lot going on um we've met some patreon goals which we'll talk about later um but we we just didn't have time to squeeze in a Tom Talks. So our plan initially was to do like a decade in review of like TTRPGs and their rise to the mainstream kind of thing, you know. And so that's kind of what I was going to I was just going to carry that on into this one um, until I was like, nah, man, I really just want to talk about Starfinder, not everything. I mean, that's what it is. And, and, like, that's where we're at. But there's, <laughs> there's so much cool stuff. I mean, you've got so many like so much new uh pathfinder 2e stuff coming out i mean there's still great pathfinder 1e um i know the uh addition wars are still a thing but like there's there's some cool 5e content out there for for dungeons and dragons um mm-hmm. there's just a lot of stuff to do and i uh, <laughs> i i guess in the last couple of months didn't realize i had started self-describing as like i'm a fucking starfinder guy like yeah, that's who i, I mean, am you know? I think we realized as a group probably in the last maybe month or two that like Starfinder isn't like a transitional system for us to get into Pathfinder, which I think maybe we initially thought it would be or whatever. I mean, we just wanted to play a science fiction game or whatever, but I, I think that we've all kind of landed like Starfinder, not just thematically or, or aesthetically is our favorite game but like mechanically like we're just having so much fun playing starfinder yeah you well, know, and, like, and down the road you know i'm not gonna rule out we have talked about like if we get to the point that we want to do a second show and stuff we may do a 2e campaign or something like that and and i'm here for it but i think you know our identity has 
has grown and solidified over time to the point that we're like, okay, the main thrust, the main show, whatever it is, will always be Starfinder. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, especially with things like the comm and now near space and, and new resources like that coming out that give you more and more to work with, uh, I think it's only made it more and more our Not to thing. mention the Starship uh, operations manual that's coming out even later this year. We don't even, I don't even know what to talk about that, but I just want to put that out there. They're bringing out a whole new book just to embellish yeah. Starship well, combat. So, so, okay. Um, we can riff on that um, a little bit, I guess. I didn't plan on it. I didn't even write anything for it. I won't lie to you. I know, I know. Um, I threw that I, in but, there. Uh, but. You know, all I'll say is that I know that at least for some of the community, one of their complaints is Starship Combat. Uh, some people don't like it. You know, they, mm-hmm. some people think it's a distraction. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a chore or tedious or some extra stuff that distracts them from the main thrust of the adventure path itself uh, adventure path itself i am not one of those people i think starship combat is awesome it's a cool mini game it could be its own like i mean if settlers of Catan is a successful board game just the <laughs> starship combat could be its own mini game you know what i'm saying that could could be released separately and you could just play for fun yeah i think that and, and I'm that's definitely, not. I'm sorry. That's not to shit on Settlers of Catan. I've had many a good night playing some Settlers of Catan, and I was at the uh, local gaming store today and was browsing, and I didn't realize there are like fucking so twelve different versions. I didn't know there was like three different sci-fi ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely expanded, but yeah. As far as Starship Combat goes, I think that low-level Starship Combat sucks. You but, know, because but, like you, but low level. But insofar as sucks. everything low level, sucks, yeah, yeah, you know, and like, and I also have come to realize that like that's part of like it sucks for a reason, so that you can feel the growth that you that you do as a character. And I've come to really, really enjoy Starship Combat, and I think a lot of it comes to how you approach it, mentality, what your mindset man. is. Mentality. Yeah, like if you come into it like, oh, this is grindy and this is crunchy with no real purpose, then it's going to feel like that. But if you come into it and be like, hey, this is an opportunity for us to flex different sides of our character that we don't get to do very much and like show a version of yourself. I mean, you know, you read The Expanse or you watch The Expanse and the starship uh, comment that happens both. in that. Yeah, that starship combat that happens in that, and you translate that into a game is is it's awesome. It is it's very awesome. Cool. It's like some of the most epic shit that can happen. You yeah. know. Well, and I think I think that to me ties into um, not only starship combat, but that is kind of the the thing. I'm not using my words very good right now, but <laughs> with uh, adventure paths in general, like there are certain adventure paths that I think if you don't come into it with the right mentality, you're not going to have a good time. And sometimes it takes a little self-awareness about what your party makeup or your, your crew of, of actual players that that makeup is. And some, some people aren't into certain things. I mean, I sure. can't, I can't help but think about, you know, political intrigue campaigns or things like uh, Kingmaker in in Pathfinder One E. Like, you need a party that's into that. You know, right? For sure, for sure. I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, it, because it is something that is very specific. You know, and so like if you're just like not into it, then I mean, maybe it's something that you kind yeah. of reduce down to a couple dice rolls and call it a day. Yeah. You know, like, but but and I will say. 
to that point, starship combat is a part of Starfinder, though. It's not a right. a choice that right. you have. Now, granted, I mean, if you're, uh, you know, as a DM, you could certainly take it out of your games, but I think mm. you're doing yourself a disservice if you do that because the premise, the, the base premise of Starfinder in any AP that you play is that your party is a starship crew. Right. You, right. I mean, yeah. It, it helps gel. It's like such a good way to gel your crew together into a crew because your your starship becomes its own character yeah, in, in a sense. You exactly. Know, like, well, and those roles that you play on the starship, much like in something like The Expanse, which mm-hmm. uh, I do want to mention, is based on a TTRPG. Like it correct. is, it is a based on t- a, a homebrewed TTRPG that, that yeah. involved the it, James S. A. Corey, which is actually two people, by the way. Uh, yeah, if you didn't we're, know. we're playing a game that involved George R. R. Martin. Mm-hmm. Like they were all playing this. I'm not sure what system it was or whatever, but they were playing. I think a it was like uh, I think it was like a kind of very heavily homebrewed and adapted um, Dungeons and Dragons game that they took. You know, they changed to make it science fiction. You know, this, there wasn't a Starfinder, and I, I think the only I, thing that I want to you, say you're wrong about that, but I'm going to leave that to the listeners because I guarantee yeah. you they will correct us. That's that's true. You know. On that, while you guys are going to look that up, I'm going to go get another beer. Okay. <laughs> okay. Adam is refreshed. He has gotten a new beverage. Yeah, I got um, a different beer this time. I got. What do you got um, now? It's by the same. It's by the same brewery. It's still by Zoni Mash, but this is um, in conjunction with the Congregation Coffee Roasters Company, and it's called Brumation, and it's a milk coffee brown, and it is exactly what it describes that that's uh, an emily beer right there yeah she would love this beer she would and love it is, that I, I i do love it myself it's quite tasty so. so okay so i think we had a very good segue set up and then uh we we missed it <laughs> um, well i needed my beers no no it was, it was it was prior to that oh okay um but I will say, we, we mentioned earlier that Attack of the Swarm draws inspiration from Starship Troopers. And we also mentioned that, uh, you know, book one of uh, the Threefold Conspiracy, to me, felt a lot like Murder on the Orient Express. I mean, <clears throat> that's one cool thing to me about TTRPGs is that you can be derivative and feel okay about it, you know? I, mm-hmm. I love that. I've done intros about, like, steel, but still gracefully. You know, like borrow inspiration from what you find interesting because this is a game first and foremost. It's not, you know, you're not writing Shakespeare over here, even though there can be excellent writing on the part of the players and the, the, the book writers, you know. That said, <clears throat> I, have a, I have a series of questions that I wanted to ask you in particular, Adam. Okay. Uh, first one that the segue was kind of built for. Is there another book or series that you in particular would like to see an AP based on? It could be sci-fi. It could not be sci-fi. But a, but, a, a but, a, but particularly a Starfinder AP. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good question. Let me think for a second. Yeah, you know what? I've, I think I have two for you, actually. Um, Can I guess what one of them is? Sure. The three-body problem. No, I don't think that would be a fun... I think it's an amazing book series, but I don't think that translates well to okay. an AP. Well, I took uh, a shot. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good shot. I've talked about that book a lot to to you specifically. Um, I haven't mentioned it, I don't think, at all 
on the show or in the Discord, but it's a Chinese science fiction book. It's awesome. Check it out. Now, my, I, okay, so the first one is The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. And that, doing, that's very intrigue espionage, right? Well, yeah, like, like specifically adding in like mechanics to this AP of spearheading a rebellion. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, and so that, that would be, be like rebe- rebellion rules or, or mechanics or whatever. Somehow you get rebellion points or whatever. I think that could be a really cool, maybe three book. Well, well and you set up you know? a network of like, yeah, you know, yeah, spies and yeah. And exactly. And comrades that don't necessarily know who each other are. They have their own cells that don't know who the other cells are. Uh, by the way, uh, moon is the harsh mistress is a, landmark piece of science fiction and i will never stop recommending robert heinlein i know a lot of we, we have our own like you know books and it's called library and data pads on the discord where we talk about books and stuff and you know I, i'm a big sci-fi guy i know you like sci-fi a, a lot as well um and from being in that part of the discord I've, I've come to realize, like, I'm actually not very up-to-date on, like, modern sci-fi. Yeah, no, me neither. Uh, I am neither, reading The my... Expanse. I'm, 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 I have two hours left of the book I'm reading, and then I'm going to start the third book of The Expanse. But <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm very much a classical sci-fi guy. So, like, Robert, a., uh, Robert Heinlein and Arthur C. Clarke are sure. kind of my dudes, you know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm with you on that. My my second one is also a classic um, by Dan Simmons, the Hyperion books. I haven't read uh, that yet, but I have it. I have it. So I have to read it. That reads like a Starfinder AP. Like you have a very varied, a very varied group of characters. A quite it's varied. Like, yeah. Um, it's like Canterbury Tales in space. Okay, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that comparison before. And the worlds that they go on are all like crazy. You know, there's like these these trees that are yeah, like that, wild that, ecology like, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and it and there's like these temples and stuff, like old ancient temples. It's just, I think, gosh, you know, it might be Dead Suns might be that yeah, almost. It's like that kind of like world, just tour of 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 craziness you know what i mean like um but something along those lines i think would be really fun too nice awesome so that i actually didn't write this but i just thought of it because of the way the conversation has gone and you saw me post this a couple days ago and i will say it is not originally my post i got it from the starfinder rpg page on facebook but i wanted to ask you because you saw my response if you had to pick a party of authors, living or dead, to be a Starfinder party. Oh God! Like who would they be? I mean, just pop it off. I'll, uh, I mean, if you want, I'll give you time by telling you mine. Okay. Okay. So I had Arthur C. Clarke as the GM because he's so uh-huh. good at like the hard science and the like, um, uh, the exploratory nature of space, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he, I mean, that's why he's one of the foundational space guys. But I had him GMing. I had, and not all of them are sci-fi. Right. But I had uh, Robert Heinlein. I had to. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> I had Christopher Moore, who that's, I'm yeah. reading one of his books right now. He's not a sci-fi guy at all, but he's hilarious. And, yeah. and I think he would be a lot of fun. I had Douglas Adams. 
Oh, great, yeah. Who is also hilarious and and is sci-fi, and George R. R. Martin. I thought that was an interesting party that some of them would be way more into like developing a backstory and the narrative stuff, and some of them would be really into the humor, but every single one of them, other than Arthur C. Clarke, has a really good sense of humor. Hmm. Well, I think that... I mean, those are good picks. I don't know if I can follow that up, but uh, I think I would like Brandon Sanderson as my GM. Okay, I I can see that. Because he's a great world builder, and he's pretty decent with characters. And he's good at like magic systems and stuff. Right, right. So I think that would be cool. I do love the Douglas Adams pick. I think that's that's pretty... I would like to play You can use one of my picks. Um, Let's see here. I think I would probably go with Kurt Vonnegut. Vonnegut? Ooh, I don't know about that. No, I would but he would have to play a witch warper. Okay. Okay. (laughs) See, I didn't Um, I didn't go so far in as to choose their classes and roles or anything, but it popped off on the Discord and people got really into it. Yeah, um let's see here. Maybe Gosh, you put me on the spot there. I mean, you know, maybe Robert Louis Stevenson. Oh shit! Yeah, going way know, back. He, know, he knows. He yeah, he knows his way about adventures. Um, Playing like a swashbuckler type or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, for sure. And then, uh, you know, <sighs> I mean, I don't think I'd want to play with George Martin. <laughs> See, I don't. I think you guys and I. This has been a thread in our friendship forever. I defend George R. R. Martin to the teeth. I think you guys are being unfair to George R. R. Martin. Like he'd be long-winded. He'd never finish it because you're just taking jabs. At it's the, not at even that. It's just fire. his he general personality. He plays TTRPGs and has yeah, but it's just a general personality. Like he kind of has that. Like I feel like he's. The I want type George R. R. Martin like hyper gritty. Like about everything. He's probably the rules lawyer of the table. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I want George R. R. Martin. I don't care what his class is. I want him to play a Skittermander. <laughs> what about Mark Twain? Mark Twain would hate it. He would hate it and be like, I guess I he'd hate still. He'd hate. He really hate Starfire. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's 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 all I got yeah. for you on that one. Well, we got there. But, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, okay, so a couple more questions for you. Uh, okay, so I got three that kind of go together. I wanted to ask. These are just like rapid fire off the top of your head. I'm putting you on the spot again. Uh, okay. So I know you're GMing Attack of the Swarm currently for a couple of different groups, but if you were to create a character specifically for Attack of the Swarm, what would you play? Operative. Operative? Any race? Yep. Off the top of your head or just operative? It's fine. Uh, yeah, probably uh, Kasatha. Okay, Kasatha operative. Okay. Well, the next two are the same thing with different APs. All right. Okay. Threefold conspiracy. Threefold conspiracy would probably play a biohacker. Okay. Nice. Probably human. Human biohacker. All right. Yep. Uh, and then this is the bonus one Dawn of Flame. See, you're thinking about running that. And so, like, I want to make this. I'm not. You can't hold me to this answer. No, I won't. But, I won't. Because I want you to fight. play something from, like, one of the races from the Dawn of Flame, like book. Uh, well, I would definitely play a Solarian in that one, mm-hmm. and then, 
you know, I'm not too picky on the race when it comes to that, so, but Solarian so, so for sure. Afridi, cool. Yeah, Afridi Solarian sounds dope as fuck. Yeah, so. that'd be amazing. Okay, so between those three APs, which one would you most like to play in? If you had to pick um, one. Actually, I'll include Signal of Screams, even though you're, you've got inside knowledge on it. If you hmm. just had to pick one of those, you were going to make a character and play in it tomorrow. Which one would you pick? Well, it's it's hard to say because I haven't read Donna Flame or Threefold Conspiracy. I am very interested in three cult, Threefold Conspiracy, but if you ask me right now, drop all the other games you're doing, you're going to play this game, I think it would be Attack of the Swarm. All right, cool. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Mine is Dawn of Flame, but that's yeah. that's why I want to run it. But I think that one is so perfect for you to, to GM. It's yeah. like got Heath written all over it. Yeah, I mean, you know? and I'm, I'm excited to do it. It's going to take me a couple months of prep uh, yeah. and probably getting you to help me, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, right. Because I'm just the talent. I'm not a GM by any <laughs> means, you know? Um, yeah, so... Uh, that's that's kind of the the bulk of the show. I think we have a lot of a good chunky backlog of listener questions. We so do. I was going to let you take us off into listener question land. Okay. Um. So, you know, this goes this goes ways. Back. I, I hope I didn't steal any of the listener questions. I don't. I don't think so. Um. I don't think you did. Uh. This one goes all the way back to September of last year. Of last year? Damn. Yeah. This is from Bipolar Pop-Tart. And I, I think it's an appropriate question for, for you and I because we both really appreciate the culture of places. And so the question is, what is your favorite places or attractions in your respective cities? In in Hattiesburg, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, probably the campus of USM. I, li- yeah, I just love a- walking around the campus, and I went to college there, so um, yeah. Uh, and there's not a lot. Uh, the The Longleaf Trace is really you know Long- nice, yeah. nice to bike and walk around. I would say I have a special place in my heart from when I live. I mean, I lived there for 17 years or whatever. The hippo? Um, is the thirsty hippo. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I, a really special bar that, I, that I will always love. I have a know? lot more attachment to the, the old hippo. The thing is, there's two bars that were really foundational for me and Adam and Zach being in bands in Hattiesburg. Um, and they were the Thirsty Hippo and the Boom Boom Room, and they were uh, kind of rivals, like frenemies, you know, mm-hmm. for a long yep. time. But both of them moved locations, and I I have strong opinions about that. Is all I'll say. <laughs> um, as far as New Orleans, I mean, gosh, you know, it's there's I mean, there's dude, so much. Certain, the what, park is great. It's so the, I, the the park is my backyard. Yeah, you, know, you live right by the park. I, they have a great disc golf course. Like I, I've gone yeah. and played one time with our friend Brian Evans. Well, the next time you you come here, we'll go we'll go Weldy and Trevor. I've, up. I've been yeah. dying to play some disc golf, dude. Once it gets a little bit nicer and we get a couple of nice days in a row, and I have a weekend off. Yeah, I'll we're gonna have like us, six to six it. day window. We'll go and <laughs> get we'll go window. and get drunk and and play disc golf and uh and you know. Uh, keep up with the discord and let everybody know how it's going 
Um, okay, I got another question. This one also goes back, you know, and I don't even know if Wimlock listens anymore, but if you're out there, Wimlock... We miss you. We miss you. Please, come. Please be we, more we active. We probably owe this guy you about 75 us. beers. Yeah, we owe this man so much alcohol. Uh, so we're going to at least start by answering his question that he asked us in October. Um, the question is, do you think that podcasts need to be consciously aware and alter the game for the sake of the listeners? Yes. In in short, yes. Um, and, okay. and also a little bit no in that don't alter your habits so much that you lose sight of who you are and who, what, what makes your personality uh, a reason for people to listen to the podcast. But obviously you need to worry about, you know, microphone etiquette and, and you know, dead space and, and don't eat and stuff like that, you know? Well, I think the questions, and I agree, yeah, that's agree, but I think the question might be digging more into like, okay, when you're playing around a table, a long grindy dungeon or spending 30 minutes to figure out what you're going to do next is fine. But if the people are listening, do you play a little bit more cavalier or do you play with the idea of, hey, we want to also make sure the decisions our characters are making are entertaining or how, how what's the balance there between staying true to the actual play of the table versus making an entertaining podcast? Um. To, uh, well, and I'll let you can obviously answer this probably better than I can, being that you're a GM. But you know, <clears throat> in my opinion, you already said the most important word, balance. But I'll still go with like primarily my answer is yes. Like I do think there are times where you know if you're gonna spend thirty minutes trying to open two doors, like yeah, <laughs> maybe fucking cut that DC a little bit so it's listenable. You know, mm-hmm. so you don't have to go back and edit because that's a part of it is like if you if you do completely adhere to like, no, we're not going to change our play style. We're going to do what we do. Um, you're going to inevitably have to go back and cut out 20 minute chunks, you know, mm-hmm. because it does have to be listenable. I mean, it is a different thing than playing with your friends um, when you have no time limit whatsoever. I, I will say is, you know, to relate this directly to our podcast. Part of my job in preparation as the GM, I think I put a lot of thought into that, but I don't expect necessarily the, the players to do much different than what they do. I try to make the changes necessary behind the scenes, but I don't even change that much. You know, we, we play pretty straight. The difference, I think, in us is that we learned how to play by recording ourselves. Okay. So like before we even started this podcast, we recorded ourselves, all of our games to go back and listen to, to remember what happened in the session. You know, I, we had the, the means to do it and we decided to, to do it. And so as we went back and listened to these episodes, we just naturally, you know, there wasn't anybody listening to the, these, you know, we recorded these for ourselves and I think our actual play style developed a little bit because of that way of, of, of reflecting on what we were doing. So when we came to the podcast, not a lot changed as far as how we play the game because this is how we've always played the game. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and to, to that point, I think, you know, 
that is a little bit unique in that, you know, not all people that do podcasts have that experience. And, and certainly some may have a, a similar experience. But I think at least with me and Adam, there was even back then an idea in the back of our brains that we would like to get to the point that we would like to record a podcast. Um, and I think not to toot our own horn, but I think it really was valuable that we spent the time being patient and being like, no, we're not ready for the podcast yet. We're still learning, but we are actively making progress towards it and thinking about it. You know, I mean, we played for what a year and a half before we ever actually decided to do the podcast. And we were recording, we started recording for like what a year before. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, like a year and a half. You yeah. Know? I, th- I yeah. think, I think that was valuable experience. And I think it, it, it is an experience that I think would be valuable for lots of people that want to do the podcast thing. And I don't, I don't mean to shit on anybody, but I do think there are people that jump in too quickly to the podcast thing without realizing what that requires. Right. You yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, it's to, to kind of circle it back around to the question itself. I think that you need to be, if you're doing a podcast, you need to be true to what your table's dynamic is. And you don't want to lose sight of that. And you also don't want to overproduce it or, or over railroad it to make it sound just like a straight radio play. Unless that's your intention. If you're trying to yeah. make a radio play, then make a radio play. Well, and if you're trying and to make an actual play, make sure there's some actual play. Yeah. In, well, and that's, it, that's you know? to me, the thing is like, I think there's kind of a little bit of a slippery slope between the actual play and the radio play. And there's plenty of podcasts that I wouldn't actually consider actual plays that were foundational to me. And I mean, the biggest example to me is like the adventure zone. I love the mm-hmm. adventure zone. I'm, I'm actually st- one of the few of us that I'm still current with the adventure zone. Um, but I wouldn't call them an actual play. And I don't mm. think they would call themselves an actual play, but I think people do give them that misnomer. They are a comedy podcast who happens to be using a system like this, you know? Correct. Yeah. And that works for them. Yeah. And they, they're very successful and they do great with it. But, you know, you, you have to understand what you are, what you're trying to do. And, and you got to be cognizant of that going into it. It's not something you want to learn 10 episodes in that we did. We wanted to be an actual play, but now we don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you. you know, uh, I agree. You derail yeah, your I, whole flow. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the next question I have, um, you know, it's it's weird reading questions directed specifically to me, but I do want to answer this question for Porter I, I Paladin. Would, I would read it if I could. <laughs> right. Um, so he asked, you know, and, and you might have some insight on this too. Um, how do you keep track of NPC mannerisms and voice traits? Any tips for other GMs? Um, okay, supporter so paladin. A lot of what I do, I mean, I, I don't spend a lot of time in front of a mirror practicing a voice. Okay, that's just not my style. That's just not how I do it. But when I'm when I'm reading the character and I'm preparing for a session and I know that I've got an important NPC coming up, what I'll often do is, if I can relate it to you know a particular role you know, TV character or movie character or whatever. For instance, has to cheer. I just watched the in men in black, like all the clips of Vincent D'Onofrio playing the, the bug 
in the human skin and just tried to mimic that voice. What I'll say is that have a catchphrase, even if you don't use it, have a catchphrase that you can like get yourself into the mode by saying some sort of little trigger. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but that is exactly like if if you were going to do your whole thing and then go to me, that is my advice. I have minimal GMing experience, but technically some. So I'm not just playing from a player perspective or or answering from a player perspective, but the characters that, because I like doing voices. I I emphasize Mm. that even with like, you know, NPCs and dungeons and stuff. But yeah, that that exact thing, you have to have what I call it an anchor. And, yeah, and anchor phrase. That's a good word for okay? it. So like Mike, for me to get in the mode with Mike, because I spent a very long time trying to get Mike's voice down because I wanted to be a bit more of a... I want, He's based on Anthony Joshua. I tried to do Anthony's Joshua, Anthony Joshua's voice for a long time, and I can't do it. I just can't do it. He's like a, a young, hip, like urban... Uh, African-American British dude that I just don't have the ability yeah, to you, do you're that, like you know you're like a, a white dude I'm like from an southern aging white southern guy you know <laughs> yeah yeah um, but like with Mike I, I'm sure people have noticed it and maybe some haven't but like my anchor phrase is um, I don't think like, I, I don't, don't I always I start a lot of sentences with I don't think that's necessarily the right thing to do you know but like if you can find it doesn't have to be a whole sentence it can be two or three words that that snap you into it you know mm-hmm. and, and again to Adam's point if you have an inspiration from like a movie or or anything like that I mean that will certainly help practice their voice but I, I think it still will behoove you to have an anchor phrase what is the most iconic thing the first line that you think of when you think about that character and that can kind of pop you into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, and so I, I mean, I hope that answered your question. Uh, you know, the, the main advice is to find, find something that works for you. Don't be afraid to mimic other voices. Like, don't be afraid to do that. Like that's, I think that's totally fine. And is a great way to do that well, and, and also i don't think that you have to have an accent to have a memorable voice you don't. it can all be it can all be the manner of which you speak if you speak haltingly that is just as dynamic as a bad british accent right like you know then that's well, a terrible and, well, voice but just as an example you know well and also don't force it because like we all have you know tendencies uh vocally uh, as far as our timbre and our pitch and all that, that are just inherent to who we are. And some accents or some uh, vocal mannerisms are not going to work for you. There, the, I may, there's been numerous times I was like, I want to do this kind of voice, and I try it and I try it and I try it, and I'm just not the kind of person who can pull that off. But I'll, you know, most of the time when I do find a voice that works for me, it's on accident. It's because I'm, I'm, to be honest, fucking around, making jokes about something else, and I realized, like, oh, like, I can do, like, a Cockney accent, I can do, like, an Australian accent, uh, and they don't, again, they don't have to be accents, but, like, everybody has somebody that they can mimic, everybody has somebody that they make jokes about without even realizing that they're doing it, so, like, go with the flow, do what's easy for you, naturally, uh, and, and that's not to say don't work at something, 
but there's some stuff that you know know your limitations know if it's not working for you and you're beating your head against the wall trying to get this one vote voice exactly perfect and you can't do it well maybe maybe pivot don't be afraid to go a different direction i mean first it's sedona is one of the main npcs and against the aeon throne and all i do for sedona is just talk a little softer and a little higher you know a little bit more diction and, and that's it like i'm not doing anything co- overly complicated or overwrought you know it, it's just that, but it's it's her yes yeah. and that's her exactly you know but but if there's uh to the exact opposite of that if there's something that's really over the top but because it's so over the top you're good at it then fucking go for it because like one of my npcs when adam was uh, the one time adam's gotten to be a player in a game i gm'd one of the npcs his voice was straight up based on meatwad for, yeah. from uh aqua teen hunger force you know, sure. and I was like, I know I can do that voice because I've been doing it since I was fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So on to the next question. Yeah. Uh, this is coming from Pukeko, and my um, beautiful Pookie Pookie boy. We've talked a lot about Starfinder, so I want to pivot for a second because he asks if we were to start a Pathfinder podcast, would it be one E or two E, and what AP would we run now? Before we answer this question, Pikeko, we're obviously kind of talking as a group about what are some future things. So what I'm going to do is kind of retool your question because what what we may run as a group, as a podcast or whatever, might be different than what Heath and I are interested in playing just from a personal perspective, right? And so like to help kind of set the tone for that, the, the 1E Pathfinder Adventure Path that I've been most interested in and definitely would love to play is mummy's mask you know what i mean like just as a as a player i would love to play that i just like the theme of it bunch of trapped tombs and pyramids and all that kind of that's just right up my alley i love i'm a very big indiana jones fan so any kind of like ancient archaeology kind of stuff is is my jam you know yeah well and so so basically what you're doing we're gonna do our answers for 1E and our answers for 2E? I don't think there's enough out for 2E to answer that. Well, as far as 1E, I agree with you. I I also am very interested in Mummy's Mask. Um, I think that would be great. Um, Whether you ran it or if you got to play in it and we got to play together, I think it would be awesome because that Indiana Jones type style, not to beat a dead horse, is so interesting and intriguing as an adventure type and and as in other media too like there's very like indiana jones like zones of and not just indiana jones but like uncharted tomb raider type stuff for even in like world of warcraft you know and any Mm -hmm. of that it interests me i think it's a lot of fun but the other one i would love to do kingmaker that said i don't think i will ever do it because like we mentioned earlier, I think Kingmaker requires a party that is very invested in that, and with the people available to me, I don't think we would have enough people to be interested in it. You know, yeah, I I, 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 agree. I love to play like Civilization games and like like Civ Five, Six, and Beyond Earth are all my jam, and I think there's an element of that in Kingmaker, the like creating your own kingdom and upkeep and all that. I think it's great but I don't think necessarily everybody else is, you know, as interested in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'd like to do Kingmaker, okay. but it would never be with us. 
STF wouldn't do it. Well, I don't. I also don't think that makes sense as a podcast either. Yeah. Oh, oh the question I mean? was as a podcast. My bad. Well, no, it's. I mean, it was that, but I kind of switched it because yeah. I don't. I, we can't really speak to what we're yeah. going to do as so a podcast. Not non-podcast. I'd love to just do a Kingmaker podcast. I would play I think that. Mummy's. I would play that with you, Heath. So if you can round up a group, I, you got me. Well, I mean, I mean, Donna I mean, Flame is the priority. Yeah, I heard. Uh, that's this is I think where we realize we're Starfinder. We identify Starfinder players because there's so many like one E and two E adventures. Like we really are all kind of interested in two E, but the time that we're that we have to play, we keep going to Starfinder. You know, like that's just where we're at right now. Um, okay, so I got another question. Alex asks uh, from uh, Aeon Throne. Which NPC or PC would you like to be? Uh, well, he, he worded this strangely, but of the NPCs and PCs of Against the Hound Throne, who would you like to be best friends with? Titanium Mike. I mean, okay, not tit- other than Titanium Mike. Oh, that's not what the question said. No, no, I know. I think but that's like, a valid that's answer. That's such an though. obvious. It is. It well, is. Well, a because like I'm a that. smaller guy, and I'd love to have a best friend who's like gonna handle any like situations where I might get beat up. Uh, but mm. also like the the toot my own horn, Mike. Despite being a big badass soldier, guy is pretty funny and and personable. I think he'd be a lot of fun. To yeah, I mean, he, I think he he may would make a good friend. You know, he's loyal and and. He is funny. He's a little hot-headed, but that's okay, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're hot-headed, and I'm your friend, so... Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, is there... But I do want to say, beyond Mike, is there somebody... Let's say NPC, then. I'm trying to remember all the NPCs. Like, Hash, no. Um, <laughs> Half-Red, no. Um, right, right. I have a soft spot soft spot in my heart for bright bright but that's through the lens of mike i think it would be incredibly frustrating to be friends with bright bright crackle Mm. flicker dim okay i'm gonna go deep i'm gonna go deep with this but you know who i think would make a pretty cool friend corsica corsica okay oh yeah no fuck this i got it uh trevor Okay, so you'll be friends with the two with my players <laughs> with the two Tre- no, but Trevor or Weldy. I think Weldy would be fine. I mean, he'd be a good I, friend. I I would definitely be friends with Weldy if I wasn't already Weldy yeah. when I was younger. You well, know I mean, I mean, I'll go like, Weldy because I'm not playing him. You know. Yeah. I think now that I'm 30, it would be a little more difficult. You know. Yeah. Well, I would need to be friends with Weldy when he was 30. You know <laughs> yeah. What I mean, like yeah. after he's grown up a little bit. Um, it's okay. tough. I mean, I think we're still early enough in the adventure. We don't have too much to, you know, it's limited to to yeah, how many NPC right. we, NPCs we've encountered. Um, okay, I'm gonna. This one is from uh, Veridux, and yo, I may be the only geek who wants this, but y'all should discuss workspace organization. Oh, you got the right two people. Yeah, I'm not on spreadsheet, that spreadsheet. But it does game, say but it does say don't beat me up, Heath, at the <clears> end of it. <laughs> I'm not gonna beat anybody up, uh, both because I'm five five and because I think that's a, a good question. Uh, I have no interest in the spreadsheet part of it, but me and Adam have both now done intros, uh, well, future stuff about 
workspace organization. And I even posted on the Discord today. I went and bought a dice roller and a new dice tray, and I've <clears throat> been bragging about how my I have like a battle station now. I've got a U around me of surfaces. I've got a big screen, and I've got my computer screen. I've got some Starfinder books to my left with my dice bag. I've got a GM screen, and I've got my dice roller and tray, dude. Like, I'm really excited about it and i never thought that was something i would be excited about so i i am a convert i have really come around to like the the workspace really does enhance your mood and your uh capability to play the way you want to play i 100 percent agree with that i don't think there's anything i can add to to the workspace part of it as far as spreadsheets vera I mean, it's just who I am, dude. I don't know what to tell you about All right, that. I'm going to beat you up already just from talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but the spreadsheets, to me, are such a... No, they're valuable. I mean, we joke about it, but it's such an organizational powerhouse. No, they, they're, they're like, incredibly valuable. I'm just glad I don't have to make the spreadsheets, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, I like to make them because they, they it's like it's kind of how a way to organize my thoughts and, and yeah. visualize things like i love i'm a collector too right so the spreadsheet of the episodes i like to see the titles the episode when they came out the length all that kind of, i like to see that all on one spot so i can kind of get a snapshot of what we've done i have a loot sheet i have a spreadsheet that i need to update for boss fights a round by round breakdown of the boss fights i have you know it's 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 just who I am. I don't know. So, what to tell so you. I will say, just so I have something to say in that conversation, the closest I can get to the being into the spreadsheets thing is that if there was a way that I could um, benefit the podcast from making PowerPoint presentations, I would be about it. Like, I love making PowerPoint presentations because they're so visual, you know? Uh, I'm sure that that will be something that we can do. That uh, a skill that we'll need at some point in our future. Um, I, you feel like answering a few more questions? I know we're running a little we're, long, yeah, but it's fine. I mean, we're at like a you know an hour twenty, but some of that will get cut out. I mean, it's it's okay. It is Tom Talk. Yeah, it is, and I and I feel like you we've know had what? these. We're going here. long. <laughs> we're going long. Okay. Um, the least so, least exciting. We're going long of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So this one, I think, kind of ties into what we've talked about tonight, actually. Um, Pukeko, again, another question from Pukeko. Also, after spending some time in it now, how do you like the way sci-fi has been translated into a TTRPG by Paizo compared to how they translated fantasy? into a TTPRG RPG. Um, yep. I, I mean, I think this is, almost goes without saying. We like it a lot. <laughs> we like it. We like it a whole lot. <laughs> um, I, I personally feel like I was always going to be more invested in a sci-fi thing than a fantasy thing. That said, played fucking like five or six fantasy games fantasy ttrpgs before we ever got a chance to do a, a sci-fi thing so to some degree it's uh, you know just the the nature of a change of pace you know a change of scenery mm. is always nice i mean i like fantasy i i really enjoy it i think there are elements 
of fantasy TTRPGs that work better than sci-fi TTRPGs, particularly casters. I think casters are more powerful. They're more versatile in in like 5e or in Pathfinder 1e than they are in Starfinder. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think that I think that Paizo did a good job of translating fantasy and science fiction. It's really it, comes down it to is personal both. preference. It really is both, yeah. though, in Starfinder. Yeah, like. I agree. And so I think that's why we keep leaning into Starfinder so much is because if you want some of those fantasy elements, they're there for the taking. Um, but that being said, I, I do think that Paizo and, and even 5e has done a really good job of capturing the classic fantasy elements and in, in making those translate into a game, you know, mechanics and everything that like everything is pretty representative of what you know, an elf has elf-like traits, and, and a fighter does fightery things, and a wizard does wizardy things, and like, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it all kind of ties together. Well, um, I mean, if you don't mind me jumping in, um, like, uh, to my point of like, I, I do think um, the fantasy TTRPGs benefit casters a little more, like, that's not to say that you can't do cool magic shit in Starfinder. You certainly can. But from my experience, because I help John out a lot with his level ups, and I, I do converse about it, even though my character can't do any magic whatsoever, what I've come to realize a lot of the time is that magic in Starfinder is a lot more specific and a lot more niche. It, yeah, it is not yeah. a just like, okay, well, I'm a caster, so I can do all these different things, you know, I think a yeah. good example of that is it's a lot harder to, uh, use magic to like fly, right? Mm. Flight is a big thing in five E and Pathfinder one. E once you get to a certain level and it, it, it is a thing you can get to in Starfinder, but it's, you know, I think the biggest thing is that, I mean, there's no spells past level six in Starfinder. You know, there's only like, you only get one six level spell and that's the highest you get as opposed to ninth level spells, you know, well, and, and, and that <coughs> is so the magic's a lot more deep in the fantasy as it should be though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also that it had a star, a science fiction game like Starfinder had to make space for the technological advancement. Right. So it's not just tech and like your computers and all that stuff, which is a part of it, but also guns. I mean, like guns are such mm -hmm. a prominent part of Starfinder, even though I fucking railed against it for a long time, you know, because I'm a I'm a strength boy. But like mm -hmm. everybody can shoot guns. Everybody should shoot guns, you know, right. Which because there's only so much space for each person to, you know, inhabit per turn you're not going to be able to have your cake and eat it too, to use an outdated right. metaphor. Like you, you can't be a like D and D five E style wizard and also have dope ass fire rifles, you know? Right. Right. Okay. I think we got time for one more question and <laughs> how, how, how are we doing on the backlog? We still got like uh, 10 more. We've got a lot more, but we did not quite a few out here. And I will say that we did over the course of this episode and, and through some other listener questions did answer a couple from old scratch and from, um, uh, Buster knuckle 
as well. So we did cover some things just in general okay. in our overlap. main discussion. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the the last one that I have here is what changes, and I think it's it's really apropos to this this edition of Time Talks here, is what changes do you want to see in your favorite system, which we've already identified as Starfinder, uh, in the future? Whew, that is a tough and broad question. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will say, okay, so I would take it back, or just gut instinct, to how we talked about a lot of people don't love Starship Combat. I would give Starship Combat more options earlier. Yeah. I would definitely yeah. do that because, like, you don't get well, your really good well, options until, that. like, level six, you know? Yeah, we might see that. And there's a book coming out that new- might do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think one thing that we've talked about as a group, and, and I'm going to say this and then hand it back over to you, Heath, is that we want more adventures in the packed worlds. That That is my biggest thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because as a lore fan, as a culture fan, stuff like that, I really want to have an adventure on Akaton, have an adventure on Abalon, have an adventure on Verses or Triaxis, you know, like, and, and not just an adventure, like a, a one-off or a one-shot. Like I would love to see uh, planet focused APs or at least like half, you know, half the AP is on one planet, half the AP is on another planet, you know? I, I And I think, you know, there, there has to be some reasoning behind not being so focused on the planets of the packed worlds this early on. Um, and maybe that's something they're planning for later, but that's one thing I know me and Zach or Zach and I have both, uh, griped a little bit about is because they give you a, a book like the packed worlds and it, it is so full of all this rich lore and, and stuff for all these very interesting planets. And then it feels like a tease. Like you don't really get to explore them. So I would love to see APs that are, you know, maybe a three book AP that is focused specifically on one planet or a six book AP that is like half of it or a third of it is on one planet. And then you, you bounce to two or three planets and really dig into those planets or at least portions of those planets for a good long time. You know, because like I, there so like the Pact Worlds is my favorite book, that is a lore based book. So like I mean, every planet in the Pact Worlds is interesting and is thought out and is developed and has deep, rich lore, and we thus far haven't really got gotten a, a chance to really spend time on those places, and like somewhere is also I mean. Akaton is kind of Akaton and Avalon were my first two that I was really into, but like somewhere like Triaxis, which is a, an enormous planet with all these different districts, like you could viably do an entire AP on Triaxis and go to the different areas there, you know, and and culminate mm-hmm. it with like going to the region where the where dragons rule, you know, something like that. But I, I agree with Adam. I think. That has been a big gripe, and and I'm not I'm not trying to bitch too much because I do think they have plans to do that. They probably have their own reasonings, but <coughs> I I want to I want an adventure on Triaxis, and I want an adventure on Akaton. You know. Well, I, I'll tell I'll tell all the people I know at Paizo. We'll, we'll make that happen. Sweet, for you. sweet. 
<laughs> uh, listen, that that really is all the time we have this evening for for, for listener questions. But I hope that you know we did make a pretty good dent. Yeah, uh, I gotta say we got we got quite a few knocked out. Well, so, and, and I think you know, being that we skipped a month, and again, I'm sorry for that. Um, I had a lot of life things going on, as many of us did. Um, I think we definitely have to do one next month because there's a new book coming out, stuff like that. So I, I think realistically we'll do one for for each of the next two months, you know, yeah, uh, coming up. So so hopefully we'll get caught up with all our listener questions uh, via that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so... You know, before we get out of here, let's let's you know it's Tom talks. It's not the show, so let's let's talk about some some business stuff, and then we'll do our shout outs, and then our social media stuff, and we'll get get out of your hair, and you can, you know, have us uh, out of your fucking ear for a minute. But yeah. <laughs> uh, business wise, I mean, first first order of business, I think, is uh, we did add a new tier to the Patreon. We did right. So we have a twenty five dollar. It's called the Pools of Paradise tier. And, but of course it is. <laughs> yeah, well, because luxur- luxurious, you know, it's the right, right. it's the high roller tier, and and we understand not everybody's going to do this, uh, and in in fact, probably very few people will. But what what are the benefits there? So what what it is is it basically gets you into our merch level benefits. Okay, so our plan is to do two shirts a year. And everybody who's in the $25 tier is going to get each design in the shirt, you know, every time we come out with a new one. So every six months, that's a new shirt from Southern Tom Fleury that you get. On top of that, if we hit our next Patreon goal, which is to open the merch shop, yeah, you will get a discount on all merch. Oh, that's great. If that's ex- great. Yeah. And, and we, that's something yep, yep. we really look forward to. We want to be able to put out merch, but the reality of it is, I mean, there there's a lot of money that goes into merch in order to make money off merch, you know? Yeah, um, or to just even make merch. Well, yeah, know, it, like, the, the designing process itself is right, tedious, right. you know? It's fun. So it's that's, that's, what it, that's what it is. Um, those of you that have already done that, I don't even know what to say other than, Thank you, thank you. I it's there to be there if 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 you want it. Um, but as he said, we're not. We understand twenty five is a lot. A month. Yeah, um, and look, look. You, even if you're not in any of the patreons, which you know, obviously, it behooves us to encourage you to do that. But look, not everybody has that extra cash. We're not rich people by any means. We fucking get it. You know, money's hard to come mm-hmm. by. Bills are expensive. Uh, inflation is out of control. So, you know, we get it. We, we're just happy to have you here at all, engaging in our Discord and all that. Um, so thank you to everyone in general, but particularly thank you to anyone who has put any money into this project. We, When we started this thing, literally our joke was like, if we get 30 listeners, we have exceeded our goals. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, now, and now we're... We're well beyond that, and it's because of all of you. So, yeah. again, I just want to echo he thank you for that. I, if I, I do want to say we did meet that third patron goal. That's where I was going. Good, good picking up on it. Uh, you, you cut me off. I was going to say, if I could, I'd kiss every one of you on the mouth. 
Um, but no, we, we met our third patron. That's a, that's our that's that's our fifty dollar. Yeah, right, okay, guys. that's the next tier. You get to kiss Heath on the mouth. Um, just the one time though. No, it's once a month. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be buying a lot of plane tickets. <laughs> yeah. um, well, everybody's gonna have to come to you at some central location. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, but we met our third Patreon goal, which is is I think equally, if not more exciting, is the Hacky Sack Heroes tier. Uh, not tier, so the ha- Hacky Sack Heroes goal. So we've already recorded a couple of episodes of Hacky Sack Heroes. Um, the first one is available to everybody on the feed. Um, as an incentive, you know, get a little taste. But um, we are very excited to be able to continue recording that. We've had a great time do- doing it. It's a little more like lighthearted, silly, zany kind of homebrewed campaign. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if we call it a campaign, but, uh, you know, adventures. Um, so, you know, we're stoked to do that with, you know, NPC characters originally that we're some of us are actually taking on as well as completely new characters that have to interact with them for better or worse. So we're we're yeah, incredibly uh, excited to do that. We're thrilled about that. What I can say about Hacky Sack Heroes is our goal is to release um, that at least once a month. I think we might even be pushing to releasing two episodes a month. Um, and we're super excited about it. And, I, you know, I just, I personally want to say thank you to everybody that helped us achieve that goal because you have provided me finally with the opportunity to play a character in Starfinder. So I'm so excited to, to do that. And uh, thank you. I can't wait to, to bring it to life. So. Yeah, well, and it's, you know, I think it's it's fun that it's just me and you on here because we are the core, like, NPCs, you know, mm-hmm. of, of that adventure. It's really Trevor and Weldy and the shit they're getting into, <laughs> you know, to some, to some <laughs> right, degree. Right. right. Um, so uh, brand new, uh, as of, like, today, news, mm-hmm. business news, uh, t- tell us about this Norse Foundry stuff. Yeah, so um, our buddy Eric from Norse Foundry, uh, if you don't know, Norse Foundry is a dice company that is making, you know, very premier dice, metal dice, wooden dice. I uh, I literally went to the the gaming store today and they had Norse Foundry dice there. um, And Eric has been so kind to send us some some dice to test out and we, we like we really enjoyed them and been talking to him long story short we are now able to offer all of our listeners a discount code that you can use if you go to Norse Foundry website and you use the promo code STF that's going to give you 15% off of any purchase that you get there so I just want to say a big thanks to those at Norse Foundry for for setting that up for is, for us and our listeners, I mean that's that's incredible. Is that yeah. all caps or does it matter? I uh, I don't think it matters, but yeah, I would I, do all. I caps. believe what I saw was all caps, so so it's correct. Do, yeah, you know, hedge your bets and, and do all caps. So uh, lastly, as business measures are concerned, uh, we have and you've probably heard them if you're up to date with the show, been using what we call co-inspirations. Okay, so Adam, what what are co-inspirations? All right, so co-inspirations are something that is a benefit of our $5 tier and up 
patrons. Uh, and what it is, is on the show, I give out inspirations to my players. Um, it's something I've done back from our 5e days and I carried it over into Starfinder, kind of retooled a little bit. What it does is give them a plus three to use on any D20 roll that they want. Now they have to, to say they're going to use it before they do the roll, but it's a little bonus. Um, and I usually give them out for good RP or something that makes me laugh or whatever. And when we were first putting together our, our Patreon, I wanted to make sure that there was some way that our subscribers could be involved in the show. And a, a lot of shows have already done the, well, write in your critical fumble, critical hit. And we I wanted to do something different. So because you're helping the show, I want you to also be helping the players. So if you're at our $5 tier and up, you get to do a co-inspiration, which means you send me a little message that will be read on air when I hand out an inspiration to one of the players. And you get a person that our, our players are going to get a personalized inspiration from you. And you can put whatever kind of goofy shit you want to yeah, think so, of. You can think of so these, anything. So these can be as absurd as you want, or they can be, and, and I think this is the cool thing, is they can be directed particularly at a player or at a character, right? right? You can send a general inspiration that can be, anybody can draw on it, it's applicable to, or if there's a particular uh, PC or player that you really want to specify your inspiration for, you can do that too. Um, we've gotten some great ones and we're just throwing this here out as a reminder to those of you who are already subscribers to keep them coming. Uh, cause I'm going to keep giving them as long as I keep getting them. And, and, and if you're interested in, in getting in on the game, this is the last time we're going to sell you on Patreon tonight, but get in there and get that, get that tier. Cause we'd love to have those. Yeah. So, um, all the boring business stuff aside, um, we got a few shout-outs before the end of this thing. Uh, first, I want to say thanks to uh, MinMaxed. It's spelled M-N-Maxed uh, podcast. Uh, they have a series of what they call all-on-the-table games. So they have their podcast, but then they have these all-on-the-table games where they get people from the community, from other podcasts, whatever, to play basically like one-shots or you know two-episode adventures. Uh, to you know, give them, give other people an opportunity to play with them, and I think that's a very cool project that they work on. I recently got to uh, join in one of their one shots with Emily, and we had a blast. They are so fun. We clicked like immediately, you know. And yeah. I hadn't really talked. It's to a these really people. cool thing that they're doing. Yeah, and I, it's a really <clears throat> cool thing. Yeah, exactly. And I hadn't talked to these people like in person at all. And as soon as I got on the call. Uh, it, it just felt great that they were really welcoming and we had a great time and our senses of humor clicked and me and Emily got to play in a game with them. And in fact, the character I made made a goof. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know the lore of Pathfinder and I just like the backstory of my character tied into a goof that now we're potentially going to do another adventure based on my fumble of the lore. <laughs> so yep. we'll see how that goes. Um, Norse Foundry, obviously, you know, thank you for the promo code for helping us out for being, you know, for Eric. And now we've got another Norse Foundry guy in the Discord, right? Yep, we did the Master Artificer himself. Yeah, a Master Artificer. We're so lucky to have one around. <laughs> uh, so thanks, Norse Foundry, again. Um, uh, the obligatory Jason Lillis uh, from What Do You Do Pods. Yeah. 
And if you haven't listened to the STFU with him, please do. It was a really, really great sit down with him. And he's got a lot of good things to say. So I really encourage you to listen to that if you haven't. That's our most recent STFU episode. Um, and I'm so glad we got Jason on. Like he's, um, he, he is so good, not just for us, but for the entire community. He is there mm-hmm. to help TTRPG podcast, no matter who you are and no matter how big, how small, he's going to be following you. He's going to be keeping up with your stuff. He follows over a hundred now, or at least a hundred at yep. the very least a hundred podcasts, which is <laughs> astounding to me. Uh, right. hideous laughter what we like to refer to as kind of our sister podcast there are there are good good friends uh we just talk to those guys all the time a lot of crossover between our fans just got to give them a shout out okay yeah for sure for sure uh and then before we get out of here uh i've got to say look if you're not following us on twitter and you want to engage with us follow us on twitter at southern tom fool just southern tom fool Mm -hmm. the uri is cut off okay Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it was taken by somebody. Uh, and then, if you're not on the Discord, get in the Discord. Where can you get? You can get a link to the Discord on our website. On our website, through our Twitter, it's all over the place. So you can find it. Yeah. So come talk to us. Have a conversation. Um, we're we're here to chat with you guys. We try to engage in the community as much as we can because that has been the most rewarding aspect of being in this podcast, bar none. Agreed. Yeah. So, anyways, thanks for tuning in. We went long. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. So, we had, we had a good one. Me and Adam rarely get to shoot the shit on air just by ourselves. Um, you had a lot of great questions, those of you that posted them. I hope we answered a lot of them. We'll try to get caught up with all that in the next couple. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. And, look, may you do well on your sci-fi slash TTRPG fantasy adventures and have as much fun as we're having. Yes, agreed. May all your dice roll 20s. Hey, we'll see you. We'll see you. <laughs>